You're listening to the Radical Disruption Podcast with Maya Nicole, nursing student turned multi-six-figure online entrepreneur. Here we talk all things real and raw when it comes to entrepreneurship and what it really takes to get to the next level. Leave the small biz talk at the door and buckle up for the tangible, tactical, and actionable steps that will help guide you in building a disruptive business. Let's dive into the show. Hello, 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 and welcome to part three of the Learning Instagram series. Today is the last episode in this series, so this is part three of three, and we are going to be talking all about Instagram growth in 2023. So what is working, what's not working, what you can do, and all that good stuff. But I just want to preface this chat by saying that there are so, 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 so many factors that play into Instagram growth. And that is exactly why I created my membership, IG University, which is all about Instagram growth for business owners. Instagram is ever-changing, and there are a lot of things that are important to know and that I include inside of the membership, which is like everything that's important to know inside the membership. But in today's episode, I'm going to run you through the top 10 things that I see working right now on Instagram and really walk you through, run you through and walk you through. I'm going to run you through. I'm going to run you through the top 10 things and I'm going to run you through why you should focus on them and how to implement them onto your own account. And I just want to say that these are not in any like order of significance. Like number one isn't necessarily the most important. These are just 10, not 10 random things, but they're not in any important order. So with all that being said, let's dive into these 10 different things. Number one, showcasing your unique positioning. What does this mean? When it comes to Instagram, you already know, but there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of other accounts out there in your niche. And so it is so important for you to have a unique positioning on Instagram to really help you to stand out. And this really boils down to sharing unique frameworks, sharing opinions, sharing your thoughts, and even asking yourself and sharing these things, which are, what are your values? Can I know you and who you are within the first five minutes of being on your Instagram account? If the answer to that question is no, then that definitely needs to change. There needs to be that connection piece because at the end of the day, you are your superpower and you really are your unique positioning point in your business and on your Instagram account. And I don't care what niche you're in. If you are a postpartum fitness coach for mothers or if you are a fitness blogger or if you have clay earrings that you sell, like whatever your niche is, whatever industry that you are in, at the end of the day, you are your unique selling point. You are your unique positioning. And so you need to really be putting yourself out there and really showcasing and sharing who you are. So what is your personality? And do I see that shining through on your Instagram account? Do you share vulnerable and relatable content? And yes, this applies even if you are 
an influencer or a blogger or a product-based business, all of these things apply. And does this mean that every single post on your Instagram account needs to be sharing, you know, struggles and challenges that you've been through and how you've overcome them? No, that's definitely not the case. I mean, if that's applicable to your niche, then definitely go for that. But this is more so just letting people in and letting people really see who you are because again, you are your superpower. And if you are trying to fit in and be like everyone else on Instagram, then there's not going to be any reason for me to choose your account over the 50 million other accounts out there that are in your niche, right? And so it's really important for you to have that unique positioning. So that's number one. And really, again, this just comes from looking within and really asking yourself that question, like, can I know you within the first five minutes of being on your Instagram account? If the answer is no, something needs to shift. And then this also ties into really making sure that you aren't being the same as everyone else. And so how do you make sure that you're not being the same as everyone else, especially when you're sharing maybe a similar product or, you know, similar outfits or even similar education, like tips and tricks and things like that? How are you not going to be like everyone else when you're sharing the same things? Well, good question. (laughs) It boils down to who you are and what your unique positioning is, because at the end of the day, no one is going to have your experiences and your background and your passion and your values and all of these different things that make you who you are. And so you are the reason why you're not going to be the same as everyone else. But I see so often, so, 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 so often people will start up their Instagram accounts and they'll look at all of their competitors and they'll see that their competitors are doing, you know, certain things to be successful and they'll start copying those certain things. Not, not in the sense of like copying and pasting their messaging, but they'll start to basically take these different frameworks of their competitors and implement it onto their own Instagram account. And in the process, they either haven't given themselves the time to build up their own voice and their own unique positioning, or they're now like, burying their unique voice and their own positioning because they're trying to be like everyone else. And so really just looking deep inside of yourself and really asking yourself that question of, am I being as authentic and as true to myself as I possibly can be on social media? And this doesn't mean, please, 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 please don't take this wrong. This doesn't mean that you have to share all of your wins and successes and then also all of your trials and challenges on social media. But it does mean getting vulnerable. And I say this, and you're probably listening to this right now, and you're like, okay, I've heard this five million times, but have you actually done it? This is something that is so much easier said than done. And take it from someone like me who has spent really the last six months opening up on social media and seeing how much of a game changer it's been. I also know, though, that it is hard. It is hard to open up because it opens yourself up to criticism. It opens yourself up to trolls. It opens yourself up to to a lot of things, honestly, at the end of the day. And it's kind of scary. And so I just think that, again, it's just something that's so much easier said than done. And a lot of people are looking at, you know, this showcasing your unique positioning and saying to themselves, oh, yeah, I've checked that box. Check. Yep. Move on. Let's move on to the next thing. But in reality, like, have you actually checked that box? Are you actually doing the things that are going to really showcase who you are and your unique positioning at the end of the day. And it's not just to say that like your unique positioning is really important in helping you set yourself apart from your competitors. Yeah, 100% it is. But also when you show up on social media and you showcase who you are, there's that connection piece. And now people can really 
feel connected to you as not just, oh, that's someone who's on Instagram who sells a product or sells a service or takes pretty pictures, but like I actually feel like I am your friend. I actually feel connected to you. And that is how you not only build a very strong community and build a large following is when people feel connected to you, but that's how you build a really successful business as well. So number one, just to recap, showcasing your unique positioning. Number two, collaborations. Yes, you should be doing collaborations. This is such a great way to grow on Instagram in 2023. I recommend one collaboration per month of someone who is in an adjacent niche or the same niche as you. And in adjacent niche, let me give an example. So let's just say that you are a a postpartum fitness coach. I don't know why that's the first thing that's on my mind right now, but today it is. So we're going to run with this example. Someone in the same niche as you would be another postpartum fitness coach, but someone who is in an adjacent niche to you might be someone who teaches Uh, nutrition or teaches maybe baby sleep tips or something along those lines. So it still may be applicable to postpartum moms, but it's not necessarily postpartum fitness. So that would be an adjacent niche. So something that's still going to be beneficial for your followers, but it isn't the same niche as yours. And so again, adjacent niche or the same niche as yours, there's, there's benefits to doing both of those. And I recommend doing both of them, not just all of them in adjacent niches, but also some in the same niche as you as well. But the most important thing, and I really cannot emphasize this enough when it comes to collaborations, is make sure that you really know who you are collaborating with and that their values align with yours and that you would feel comfortable with your followers, not just following them, but potentially investing in that other person's business as well. And the reason why I say this is because I had a recent experience and I'm not going to go into details whatsoever, but to generally give you the picture of this, I went in and I was uh, in the process of collaborating with another creator And through a series of events, I found out that this creator wasn't running their business ethically. They were ripping off their clients. uh, They weren't paying their bills and all sorts of other, all sorts of other issues. And so I very quickly backed out of that collaboration because I would never want to recommend anyone in my community to someone who runs their business in that way and that isn't ethical. And so it's just so important to make sure that it's not just, oh yeah, this person has a really pretty Instagram account and it looks like they have decent engagement and they have a good amount of followers. Like, yeah, let's do a collaboration. Like look a little bit deeper, do a little bit deeper of research. Obviously, you know, assume the best in people and expect the best of people, but also make sure that you feel comfortable at the end of the day recommending their account to your followers because it is a collaboration and so it goes both ways. So that's just really, really important with those collaborations. But I really don't think that you need to do like one collaboration per week by any means. That's that's like above and beyond. If you want to do that and you have the time to do that, then like go for it 100%. But I just think one per month is really, really great. You're pulling together two different audiences. Hopefully, the person that you've chosen to collaborate with has an audience that is really engaged, someone who's also probably going to be interested in your niche. And so it's just beneficial for obviously the both of you, but specifically in in terms of you getting your account in front of new eyes. Number three is focusing on reaching non-followers. 
Of course you want to reach your community, but reaching non-followers means new eyes and new eyes means potential new leads for your business. So my question to you is, do you reach non-followers? How do you know this? You're going to look into your post insights. You can see this, whether it's a carousel post, a picture, or a reel. You can see this when you go down into the post insights, and then there's going to be a little circle, like graph looking thing, and it's going to show followers and then non-followers in this little circle graph here. And so you really want to look at if you are reaching non-followers and which posts are reaching those non-followers and really study those posts. But how at the end of the day do you reach non-followers? The biggest ways are going to be hitting the explore page, doing collaborations, having your content shared. So anytime that your content is shared with someone else, Oftentimes, it is going to be shared with people who are new eyes. And this doesn't just mean necessarily shared on other people's stories. Yes, that's really, really great. But also, even just having someone share it to a direct message with someone else, that's a really great opportunity, again, for you to reach more people. So shared content. Uh, I mean, reels are really great in terms of non-follow reach if you reach like the, the reels tab. But outside of those things, I would say that those are like the biggest things when it comes to non-follower reach. But it's not just, oh, like, how do I rank on the Explore page? And like, you know, how do I get my, my content shared more? Yes, those things are really great questions to be asking. But what I really want you to focus on is by going into your insights on your content that you've already posted, really studying the data there and asking yourself, am I reaching any non-followers with my content? And you might, you might see that you're not reaching any non-followers with your content. And so now the question is, how can I shift that? How can I reach more non-followers? And so then the conversation might come into the Explore page or collaborations or, you know, creating more shareable type of content. Or you might recognize, oh, well, this topic consistently reaches, you know, a lot of non-followers. They really like interacting with this certain topic. How can I create more of this type of content? And so really looking at the data in terms of non-follower reach is going to be really, really important. Because again, non-followers means new eyes. New eyes means potential growth in your Instagram account if you have it optimized, which kind of leads me into my next point, which is point number four, which is optimizing your Instagram account. Optimizing your Instagram account doesn't directly help you with growth, but it will help the eyes on your Instagram account to not just be eyes, but also become followers. And so as we were talking about reaching non-followers, you might be reaching non-followers and you might recognize like, hey, I'm looking at my post insights and I'm actually reaching a lot of non-followers, but what I'm recognizing is not a lot of these non-followers are converting into followers. So these new eyes aren't actually hitting the follow button and tagging along. And so then the question is, why are they not hitting the follow button and tagging along? Oftentimes it comes down to optimization because optimization isn't just like, oh, how can I make my Instagram look pretty? It's how can I make sure that my audience actually knows the value that I provide, what I talk about, what my credibility is, and also those connection pieces that I was talking about earlier and making sure that you're standing out so that people actually do want to choose to follow your account versus other accounts in your niche. So again, optimization is not just It's not going to directly help you to grow, but it's going to help those new eyes on your Instagram account hopefully become followers. And another reason why optimization is so important is because at the end of the day, like statistically, you have about seven seconds to make a good first impression when someone comes to your Instagram account. So if I'm scrolling through, let's just say my explore page, I come across your post and I'm like, this is amazing. 
you know, I'm one of those non-followers inside of your insights because I'm looking at this post. I come over to your Instagram account after looking at that post because I'm like, well, of course I want more of this information. You have seven seconds to make a good first impression. So not just not just the aesthetics again, but how it is laid out. Do I have any immediate connection pieces to you? Do I know who you are, you know, within the first few minutes of being on your Instagram account? Obviously, seven seconds is different than minutes, but like hopefully you've captured my attention for for seven seconds. Hopefully I'm sticking around. Hopefully I'm looking into, you know, your, maybe your, some of your pinned posts, maybe some of your highlights. And hopefully having that connection piece is going to be that thing that really gets me to stick around at the end of the day. But again, you have to get people past that point. And so if you don't have a good first impression within the first seven seconds, they're not going to be sticking around. So what are some areas that you want to focus on in terms of optimization? I mean, optimization really runs way deeper than than these things. But I would say that these are the biggest things that you want to focus on. So you want to focus on your bio, your highlights, your pinned content, and then your feed. So with your bio, you want to make sure that it has four lines. And in those four lines, you want to answer the who, what, and how questions. So who do you help? What do you do? And how do you help people? That's what you want to answer in the bio. And you want that to be really, really clear. And the reason why I bring this up here, and you're probably thinking this is so basic, <laughs> my bio is already optimized, but is it though? is it optimized? If someone sees a piece of your content on the explore page and they're like, this is so good. They come over to your Instagram account. Are they going to be confused by looking at your bio and thinking, oh, well, I thought that this piece of content would serve this, you know, this purpose or uh, help with this pain point. And then I come over to this person's bio and like the content doesn't match the account. And I see this a lot. There's a, a lot of people who have that disconnect there. So that's something that's really important to ask yourself. Then moving down, you're going to have your link in bio, which technically is still part of your bio. But you want to make sure that your links are really clearly labeled and you want to add in a freebie if possible. So that lead magnet that leads people into your email list so that you are not just growing your Instagram following, but you're also growing your community in a place outside of the Instagram platform, which is really important. And then moving down, you have your highlights. So you want to have five to eight highlights and you want these highlights to share more about who you are, what your offers are, and some tips and tricks. So those are the big things to hit on there. And yes, (laughs) I see accounts every single day that don't have highlights or they only have one highlight. Highlights are such a great place for people to dive deeper and really get to know you and your unique positioning. So make sure that you're strategically utilizing your highlights. And then moving down into your pinned content. Your pinned content is really important because, again, if someone taps on your post from the Explore page, they love it, they come over to your Instagram account, what are the things that they're immediately going to see off the bat? They're going to see your bio, they're going to see your highlights, and then most likely those pinned pieces of content at the top, if you have them, they're going to be the very first pieces of content that people see, right? So you want those to be curated. What I mean by curated isn't like they need to be like perfectly created for pinned content, but you really want to strategically pin those pieces of content to help people get a better understanding of you and your business, help people get a good idea of the content that they can expect to see on your Instagram account, and maybe even give people a really good like piece of content that is tangible. So something that they can take away from that piece of content and implement and see, you know, almost immediate results from because then they're going to feel even more connected to you and your business. So that's what I would say for your pinned content. And since you can pin content on your feed and you can pin content on your Reels tab, you want those pinned pieces of content to be different. So technically, you have the opportunity to pin about six pieces of content and you want those to be different. And I would say for pinned content, checking in probably every 
like month and a half to two months on those pin pieces of content and making sure that they're still accurately reflecting the message that you want to be sending to those new viewers who are on your Instagram account. And then you have, I guess, in terms of order, the very last thing in terms of optimization is your feed. So yes, your pin content is also part of your feed, but just your feed in general, you know, is it clear the type of content that you're posting? Is it easy to access, easy for someone to binge your content? Is it, you know, aesthetic? (laughs) I mean, aesthetics aren't everything, but they are important, especially going back to what we were talking about with that seven seconds to make a good first impression. If your feed is all over the place and you got oranges and you got yellows and then you got neutrals and then you got blacks and then you got uh, bright pinks, it's like that is not a solid aesthetic. And at the end of the day, again, it's not the most important thing, but it is important to have that aesthetic. Because here is the thing when it comes to your feed. People will look at the quality of your feed, the quality of your content, and they will relate the quality of your feed and the quality of your content to the quality of your business, which means the quality of your offers. And so if someone comes onto your Instagram account, And let's just say that they're actually interested in purchasing from you because they're like, oh, I love this piece of content. I would love to know what offers this person has. They come to your feed and they're like, oh, actually, like it's kind of messy. It's kind of all over the place. You know, you got like six different fonts going on. (laughs) You know, the cursive font is really hard to read. And then they're like, oh, actually, I'm not sure if I actually want to purchase from this person. Does that happen all the time? No, but that is a really, really, really big thing, especially if you're a product-based business. People relate the quality of your pictures of your products and anything that you're posting inside of your business to the quality of your product at the end of the day. So that's something that's really important to think about. So again, with your feed, is it easily bingeable? Is it easy to consume? Um, Is it easy on the eye? Is there an aesthetic to it at the end of the day? So those are the things to think about in terms of optimization. And that was number four. Number five is experimenting. And so there's kind of two parts to experimenting. The first thing that I want to say is this is just what I generally recommend. This is something that I teach all of my students. And that is that I recommend at least 10% of your content each month be experimental content. This means trying something new And when you try new things, it's going to allow you to continually grow and make sure that you not just are growing, but you're also staying relevant and you're also making sure that you recognize, you know, what type of content your audience likes consuming. And so I'm awful at math. I'm not even going to give you a number. (laughs) I was like thinking of that in my head. I'm like, okay, if I posted 25 times per month, what is 10%? I'm like, I I don't even know. I think it's like, what, 2.5 or something like that. Don't quote me on that. Literally, that's off the top of my head. And I don't know. Well, I guess 20 20 posts per month would be 10% of that would be two. So not very many posts per month need to be experimental. But it is important to have that experimental content. And so what does experimental content look like Well, that's a good question. It really just depends on the type of content that you're already posting. So let's just say, for example, you post a lot of talking reels and you also post, you know, some carousel posts that are informational that have like, I don't know, let's just say five to 10 slides in them. So so maybe some experimental content that you could test out would be maybe doing a reel that's like a behind the scenes or a B-roll type of content where, you know, a video is set up 
and then you have text over the screen that explains maybe a topic, obviously, that relates to your niche. Experimental content could also be doing a collaboration with someone. Experimental content could also be doing a live video. Experimental content could be I don't know, maybe doing a trending audio instead of a talking reel. So just basically stepping outside of your comfort zone and doing something that you don't normally do. And again, it's 10% of your content. This isn't to say that every single week you need to be creating, you know, a, a new experimental reel, but it is good to be testing out different types of content because that's how you're going to grow. And again, that's how you're going to stay relevant. So that's the first piece of experimenting. But another thing that I want you to experiment with is your normal content. So try A-B testing. Post the same reel with different hooks and try testing out your content. If it didn't do well as a reel, maybe try that as a carousel post. Maybe you did a talking reel on a topic. Try sharing that topic in a reel with text over a video and see how that does. So testing out different like what I would consider like your normal like comfort zone type of content, still testing with that normal type of content. And I would say that you want to do that about 10% each month as well. So I guess technically like 20% of it would be experimental content each month, but 10% of it is like experimental in like outside of your comfort zone type of content. And then 10% of it is just simply taking something that you might've done in the past and then trying it as a new content format. So maybe you posted something in the past that was a carousel post and uh, maybe it didn't do as well. And maybe we can now ask ourselves, okay, well, how can I take this topic that didn't do very well or the way that this information was presented and switch it and put it into a reel and see how that does? So it's not necessarily, again, reinventing the wheel. A lot of this experimental content that I'm talking about right now is going to come from your comfort zone. It's going to come from the things that you're already doing, but really just taking those things that I would say most of the time didn't do well and seeing how you can shift that to make them better. And this could even be, you know, a reel that you posted in the past that didn't do very well. It's like, okay, well, I think that the information is really, really good. So maybe I just switch the the hook on it and say, share the same information, but the hook is just different, right? And so it's actually saving you time, but you're also learning a lot of things with that as well. And so if that reel doesn't perform well, again, maybe it is the information inside of it. Or if it does perform well, then you can say, okay, well, it was the hook that, you know, really disengaged people when I very first posted it, but this hook did actually really well and it really helped engage people and get them to continue watching. And so now you can take that information and use that on future reels as well. So that's what I say for experimental content. Again, the first 10% should be new experimental content in terms of content that's outside of your comfort zone, content that is something that you're not already creating on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And then the second piece of your experimental content, which is another 10%, is really going to be that A-B testing, really taking things that you've already done in the past that maybe didn't do as well and tweaking them to see if you can get them to perform better now. All right, number six, repurposing top performing content. And so this is, I guess, kind of similar to what I was talking about with like experimenting and like the 10% content that, you know, you've already posted in the past and experimenting with that. But this isn't the same as that quite the same. The reason being is because what I was just talking about is taking something that necessarily didn't work 
well in the past and tweaking it to see how it can work well now. Repurposing top performing content is looking at content that has already performed well. And then knowing that like when you repost it again, it's probably going to perform well again. Most of the time, that's people's experiences. So I want you to look at what worked well over the past like three to four months and repurpose it. So I don't want you to look at what performed well last month and then repurpose it. That's too close, in my opinion, in terms of repurposing. I would say like max or I guess max closeness to like today's date. I would look two months in the past. But I think that like three to four months in the past and repurposing that information is the best way to possibly go because most people aren't going to remember what you posted three to four months ago. And even if they do, like they're not going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the same exact post because repurposing does not mean reposting. Let me repeat that again. Repurposing does not mean reposting. With the original content ranking in the algorithm that Instagram brought to light a few months ago, I think it was in quarter, I think it was in quarter three of 2022 that they brought this up. They basically said that repeat content or content that is the same, so reposted content, isn't going to perform as well. So you want to make sure that you're creating original content. And if you are reposting content, then that's not going to be really great for the original content ranking in the algorithm because the algorithm is going to pick that up as a reposted piece of content. It's not going to perform as well most of the time as it would if you repurposed it. So what does repurposing mean? It means taking this idea and it could even be taking the same exact hook and the same exact bullet points that you share inside of a reel, but just changing the video that it's over the top of. So let's just say in the past, you know, you created a reel and it was five tips for, uh, I don't know, cooking in the kitchen. And then it shared those five tips. You could take that exact same reel, the five tips for cooking with the, you know, the list of the five tips, take that exact copy and paste word for word message, but put it on top of a different video because then it's going to appear as new content. And then that's going to be more beneficial for you in terms of the algorithm because it's not reposted content. So again, we're looking at reposting top performing content that worked well over the past three to four months, like three to four months ago. Not like, how do I explain this? <laughs> it's not like three to four months, like leading up to now. It's like three to four months ago. So like not one month ago, not two months ago, three to four months ago is the pieces of content that you're going to be looking at to then repurpose for today. So This is different than experimenting because, again, experimenting is looking at what necessarily didn't do well or doing some A-B testing to figure out what performs well, whereas this is already looking at what is your top performing content and how can we take that information and just simply repost it. Number seven, focus on extending watch time and time spent on content. So now that real insights include watch time, you can use that data to really see which reels keep attention throughout the entire reel and which reels people only watch for a few seconds before, you know, tapping out or swiping past or whatever they're doing within that reel, depending on where they're consuming it. But this isn't just applicable to reels. You also want to expand the time that people are spending on all posts, 
which is why carousel posts are really good to be posting because the multi-slide posts, if they are engaging, right? If the content isn't engaging, then it doesn't matter how many slides it is. (laughs) People aren't going to keep swiping. But if it is engaging, it's going to keep people on your post for longer than a picture would. And the time spent on a post is something that the algorithm really looks at in determining if it's going to be shared to new viewers or non-followers at the end of the day. And so that's a whole nother thing. We're going back to, I can't even remember what point that was, point number three, I think, where we were talking about focusing on non-follower reach. Well, a great way that you can reach more non-followers is making sure that your community or the people who are seeing your pieces of content are spending a lot of time on that content or they're, you know, watching that content for a lot of time. So making sure that you're really utilizing what I would call like watch time prolonging techniques to get people to continue swiping or continue watching. And so this comes, obviously, there's a whole technique to this. I talk about this inside of IG University a lot more, but I mean, even simple things where it's like, keep watching until the end to see XYZ tips or, you know, my number one tip I share at the end or just getting people to know that there's something at the end or know that they want to keep reading because of there's some sort of reward at the end or, you know, there's some sort of challenge or maybe there's even a discount code at the end, like whatever it is that's going to keep people engaged. That's what you want to use to extend that watch time or extend the amount of time that people are spending on content. And with this as well, which actually ties really well into what I'm going to be talking about in the next point I really want you to think about your own consumer habits. How do you consume content on Instagram? Like, not just generally, oh, how do I consume content on Instagram? Well, I hop on Instagram in the morning and I scroll for 15. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about think about the reels that you spend the most amount of time on, the ones that you watch start to finish or that you watch multiple times. Why do you do that? Why do you watch them multiple times? Why do you spend so much time on those reels? What do they do really well? And how can you utilize that, whatever it is that you feel that they do really well, and implement that onto your own reels? Or on the flip side, which reels do you not watch all the way through? Which pieces of content or carousel posts do you not swipe all the way through? Why? Why do you do that? Why do you stop consuming that piece of content? ask yourself these questions. I promise you, like, this is one of the best pieces of advice that I can possibly give you is studying your own consumer habits and asking yourself these questions because you're going to get so much data and say, oh, well, I stopped swiping because of XYZ reasons or because, you know, the way that this post looks or the way, how many slides it had or, you know, how quickly the text was moving or how slow the text was moving. And then you can start implementing all these different things on your pieces of content and it's going to help to extend the watch time and have more people spend time on your content at the end of the day, which is then going to help you to reach more non-followers because time spent on a post is something that the algorithm looks at and determining if that post is going to be shared with non-followers. So really studying your own consumer habits is so important. And number eight is creating eye-catching content. Odds are really high, and I'm just going to be brutally honest with you, that if you are not converting viewers to followers and you've done all the things that I previously shared, your content might just simply be boring. I had to say it. I had, I just had to say it. It doesn't mean that your content isn't quality. It doesn't mean that your content isn't valuable. 
is just simply might be like all the other content out there. And again, there's no reason for me to choose you over, you know, the the zillions of other pieces of content that I see around this topic because it doesn't stand out. Put yourself in your audience's shoes. Really look at your own consumer behaviors. Would you consume your own content? Would you save your own content? Would your content stick out on an explore page if you saw it? And then I want you to think about the content that does stick out on an explore page if you are looking at the explore page. Not like necessarily thinking about your own content, but when you're looking at the explore page, what content sticks out? Why does it stick out? And then thinking about different content that does stick out, not just not necessarily on the explore page, but in any niche, like as you're scrolling through your feed or as you're scrolling through the Reels tab, what content sticks out to you? What content is really engaging? What content is really eye-catching? Why? Why is it that way? What do they do well that you can implement? Use your own consumer behaviors to drive the content that you create. Number nine, focus on getting your current community to interact with you. This one is really big. So we talked about earlier, I think it was in point four, maybe point three, about how important it is to reach non-followers. That is really important, right? Because new eyes means new growth, new leads. There's a lot of benefits to reaching non-followers. But here's the thing. You can't disregard, you can't forget about your current community because they are the people that you, at the end of the day, are here to serve. Those are the people that have said, yes, I'm here to support you. Yes, I want to be a part of this community. Yes, I want to see your content. Yes, I want to learn from you. So don't forget about them. And also, if you don't have interaction with your current community, that is not a good signal to the algorithm at the end of the day. Here's the way that the algorithm works. Let me just give an example of reels. If you post a reel to your feed, specifically to your feed, it's a whole different topic if you post the reel only to the reels tab. If you post a reel to your feed, does it also post to the reels tab? Yes. But if you post a reel to just the reels tab, it's a different a different working, a different algorithm that, that takes place there. We'll talk about that maybe another day. But for the sake of this example, If you post a reel to your feed, what does the algorithm look at? The algorithm looks at how quickly your current community, the people who who are already following you, are interacting with that piece of content. And if people are interacting with that piece of content, if they are liking, saving, sharing, commenting, and viewing it, not just once, but maybe multiple times even, that's going to say, positive, 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 thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, check, 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 all to the algorithm, right? It's going to be positive signs to the algorithm saying, well, his or her current audience likes this. So of course I'm going to share it to more people because odds are pretty high that more people are going to like it too, right? So it's so important for your current audience to have an engaged current audience. If your audience right now is not engaged and you're not reaching non-followers, that is probably why, because it's not giving that positive signal to the algorithm. Because here's the thing, if your current community doesn't like it, if the people who chose to hit the follow button and follow you do not interact with your content, then why would the algorithm show your content to new people? It's not going to, or if it does, it's not going to show it very actively or not show it for very long. Like it's going to be on the explore page for like an hour or whatever, instead of like a few days. 
So having your current community interact with your content is extremely important. So do not forget to focus on community building and building up that interaction. And that's going to take time. And if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, oh, snap. Oh, crap. My community does not interact with my content. Maybe that's why I'm struggling to grow. Probably. All hope is not lost, though. It's going to take time to build that back up. And that's okay. But really, really, really putting an emphasis and a focus on your current community is going to be so important for being able to reach new people in the future. How is a simple way that you can make sure that your content is being seen by your community? Get your community to add you to their favorites feed. It is a simple, simple way that you can make sure that your content is going to appear at the top of their feed. And of course, if it's at the top of their feed, they're more likely to be interacting with it, right? And consuming it. Because here's the other thing too. It's maybe, and I see this oftentimes, maybe it's not even the fact that your community doesn't like your content and they don't want to consume it. They don't want to interact with it because here's the thing. If they're following you, they probably want to interact with your content. But if they're not seeing your content, they have no opportunity to interact with you. And so how do you fix that? Well, you make sure that they're seeing your content. How do you make sure they're seeing your content? By slowly getting them to add you to their favorites feed. And the more they interact with you, the more that you are going to appear not just at the top of their feed, but also at the top of other people's feeds too. Because here's what happens with the algorithmic feed on Instagram, which is the home feed, the feed that defaults on Instagram. So if you open up the Instagram app right now, that is the algorithmic feed. That is the home feed on Instagram. What happens with that feed and the way that you see posts on that feed, it's not in chronological order. It's not in the order that the posts were posted. The order is how the algorithm thinks that you're going to want to consume that content, what the algorithm thinks you would be most interested in, and what does the algorithm factor into that? It factors into if other people are engaging with that piece of content. If other people aren't interested in it, then the algorithm's not going to think, oh, well, if the 50 other people, you know, who looked at this piece of content and didn't interact with it, didn't like it, then of course, I'm going to show it to this person because they're probably going to like it. Like, that's not how the algorithm works, right? It's if other people have interacted with it, then the algorithm is going to say, oh, well, this person will like it too, most likely, right? And so then you're going to start showing up higher on other people's feeds, even if they haven't added you to their favorites feed. So there's a lot of different layers here, right? So in order to reach non-followers, oftentimes, this isn't the case all of the time. There are definitely workarounds to this, but I would say most oftentimes you need to be making sure that your own community is engaging with your content. If your own community is not engaging with your content, that's not a good sign to the algorithm. And why would the algorithm then want to share your content with new viewers, new eyes, those non-followers? Number 10. This one is the biggest, most important, and oftentimes the hardest Give things time and do not be afraid to sit in the discomfort. Results take time. They really do in anything in life, but also on Instagram. And I think sometimes we forget about that. Results take time. So my question to you is, are you in this for the long run or are you in this for a quick win? If you're in this for a quick win, what are you doing here? (laughs) Why are you listening to this podcast? If you're in this for the long run, then it doesn't matter if you hit your goals in one month from now or in one year from now or in two years from now, because you're here for the long run. You're going to keep doing this for the long run because you're in this for more than just the numbers, more than just hitting a follower count, 
more than just going viral on Instagram. You're here for an impact. You're here for a deeper why, hopefully. So that is my question. Are you in this for the long run or are you in this for a quick win? All right, that is it for today's episode. And while today's episode was jam-packed with information, there's still so much more to Instagram than what we covered today. So make sure that you check out part one and part two of the Learning Instagram series. They're already up. You can already check them out on the podcast. And also IG University, which is my monthly Instagram membership for business owners, which will be linked in the show notes below. Go check out both of those things, or I guess all three of those things, part part one, part two, and then IG University to dive deeper into Instagram and to really make sure that you understand Instagram and the platforms so that you can really take advantage of it. If this episode has served you in any way, I'd love it if you shared what you've learned, any aha moments that you may have had, or something that you loved, and tag me on Instagram at Maya Nicole. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review so that we can continue to learn and grow together. Thank you so much for your support. I love you, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.